Tonight, if you have your Bibles, and I trust that you do, in the book of James, the fifth chapter, I would like to take my text for this evening's address and talk to you about stability. Stability in life that is so needed. We are seeing so much instability just about everywhere you turn today. I'm not just talking about in the church. There ought to be more stability that's in the church today than there is. There's just not. I'm not saying that to put anybody down. But we're just, we're needing something today. And, you're, and uh, Brother Mike's been hitting that pretty hard. And that is the Holy Spirit's mighty work in your life and my life. And unless the Holy Spirit is doing it, we're not going to really be stable. We're not going to be strong. And there's some things that we need to learn, some principles that are found in the Word of God of which we must adhere to so that the Holy Spirit can do His mighty work. And then you talk about living in a down culture. I've lived long enough, and some of you have too, to see the great changes in our culture. Growing up in a time that you didn't even lock your doors at night. Church doors were never locked. Our home doors were never locked for a long time. And things have drastically changed. You watch the news today, there's a murder almost every single day in and around Nashville. And we're just one major city. Just one. It's out of hand in most other major cities all across this land. People say, what in the world's going on? Well, I'm going to tell you what's going on. The Lord's soon to come. Lawlessness, lawlessness is setting in. We've never seen lawlessness that's taking place in our land today like we're seeing it today. It's just not happening. So I want to talk to you a little bit, just for a few short minutes, about stability in life. James chapter 5, beginning with verse 7, concluding in verse 11. Be patient, therefore, brothers... Unto the coming of the Lord, behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience, listen to that, long patience for it until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Then listen to this. Grudge not one against another. As we look at this time when the Lord is fixing to come, grudge not one against another, brothers, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender Amen. mercies. Here we're talking about stability in the time of affliction, according to the pastor of the First Baptist Church in Jerusalem. You won't throw me out for that. I know you won't. He stood on biblical principles, and that's why it was what it was. And he was writing that so that he could encourage many others that they would be found stable, found faithful in the work of the Lord. Do you know that in every area of life there is a goal in mind? Every area of life, a goal in mind. We're working towards accomplishing something in everything that we do. There's probably not a newborn in the house right now, is there? They're all in the nursery. See, I grew up in a time where everybody's in the same place at the same time. 
But anyway, if we had a newborn here tonight, we would expect that newborn, as precious as it is, we would expect it to have a goal in mind, the parents to have a goal in mind, and that is for it to develop into adulthood. We expect it to develop through the stages that all of us have developed in, and that it become a well-rounded adult, productive, and responsible. That's the goal that we want for those children born in this world. But I want you to think about something for a moment. It's not going to happen, I'm sure. But you think about if that baby that was born, and after six months, it stopped growing mentally, emotionally, and physically, and it continued to live just like that for 80 years. What would you say about that? Wouldn't that be a sad state of affairs? Wouldn't it? It really would. I would not want to experience that with one of my children or yours. I know that's not going to happen, but the thing is, what if it did happen? The thing is, we want adulthood to arrive for each and every individual so they can be productive and responsible. How many of you watch the news every night? You watch the news every night? Do you remember just uh, last week, the end of last week, we heard that there was a 30-year-old male still living at home. He was suing Best Buy for $300,000 because they scheduled him to work on Saturdays. And his mother and his father had him in court seeking a court order that they may oust this 30-year-old son. The thing that caught my attention was not just all of that. It was this. The news agency said this. They called him a 30-year-old boy. Now, tell me, have I missed something? Sort of tragic, isn't it? Uh, I'd like to go back when I was 30 years of age romping and stomping and doing the things we used to do. Moving on down with life, putting things together, making life what it ought to be for those about us. You see, when we develop toward adulthood, we become productive. We become responsible. That's why we go to school or used to go to school. We used to learn some of the basics and the fundamentals that they used to teach us so that we could achieve life's goals. We learn things to do and things not to do. I've said that to say this. You know, the Bible says, grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. You know that was a command. It's a command for you and me to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord our God. I don't know. I wish I'd had a dollar for every time I've said to some people, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. And for many in our world today, my dear friends, it's time for them to get on with business of being an adult. Whether that arise when you're 18 or whether you're 30. <laughs> it's time to get on with adult living and do the things that we are called and given to do. Yes, the Bible says grow in grace and knowledge. 
The Bible addresses all the stages of growth. Do you know that? The Bible does that. Many of us live long enough to experience the stages. You know, it says in John 3, 16, it says this. You must be born again. There's a starting point for each and every one of us. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. It talks about a baby stage. Paul said, I would like to talk with you about some mature things, but I can't because I still have to give you the milk. Your babies in the faith. And then you can go to 1 John chapter 2, beginning with verse 12. It talks about a child. A young child growing. And we experience that. We, I see some children here today. They're children. There are certain things that they are starting to learn and starting to do and they're becoming responsible in what it is that they're supposed to do and become. And then it says in 1 John chapter 2, 13, 14, it talks about a young man stage and it talks about a father stage. Some of us ought to be well past a young man stage even, and we ought to be in that father stage whereby we know what God expects, what God's will is for our life, and what God wants to do with our lives. That's very clear in all of Scripture. It gives us all of those things. It lays it out very clear for each and every one of us to ascertain for this day and time. It is there, and we need to do that. You see, all through the Bible we find productive and responsible people. That's why we study the Bible. Why did God include people? If God was to write another Bible, which He will not, could He include you like He included those in the Word that He's given to us? Would you be found so faithful that He would mention your name and what it is that you did in life? I'm going to mention some of those things tonight. And I hope that you can resonate with some of them. I really do. There's a song that we used to sing or a hymn with these words. It's no secret what God can do. What He's done for others, He'll do for you. My dear friends, the reason we preach the book and we talk about people in the Bible, if God could do it with them, He can do it with you. Amen. 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 Now that's true. We're dealing with the same God. We're all made the same. We all come into this world the same. We're taught the same. We're exposed to the same things. And God calls us, my dear friends, to walk with Him and be used of Him to be an instrument for these days and times. I know it's hard out there. I know it is. I've worked in the private sector for the last 20 years, called to be a preacher in 1974. It's when I was ordained. But in the last 20 years, I worked in the private sector. I know what's going on out there. I really do. It's tough. And especially to be a Christian and to live a Christian. Yeah. Yeah. You are challenged. But I'm going to tell you something. The challenge is not so great you can't do it because you've got an almighty God that's greater than the challenge. I hope you believe that because indeed it is true. Yes, there is a starting point. There are people all through the Bible, sinners saved by grace, trusting God in all He did in the coming of the Son of the living God. Many in the Old Testament looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. They believed in the work that He would do for their lives. They lived by faith. We today, we look back to the cross. We're sinners to be saved by grace, to say what Jesus did for us. You know what? You can be saved if you want to be saved. Because it's God's will for everyone to be saved. It's not God's will that any 
perish, go to hell. God wants us all saved, and we need to always remember that. You know, there's a, a thing that I need to, need to hammer here. And that is, we don't hear much about sin anymore today. Huh? There's a book out written some years ago, Whatever Happened to Sin? And I have to ask the same question, whatever happened to sin? We can just about do anything, say anything we want to today, and it's okay. Well, I'm going to tell you something, it's not okay. Bible calls certain things we say, certain things we do as sinful. And they do not honor the Lord our God. Did you know that you cannot be saved until you acknowledge that you're a sinner? You can't do it. Jesus came to seek and to save what? Sinners. You know what sinners do? Who said that? Huh? That's true, lady. Sinners do what sinners do. They sin. And you know, even though we're Christians today, we all know something about that, and we ought to understand. People out there that never come to faith are going to do sinful things. They're not going to do what you do. They're going to do what they are, are doing out of their sinful nature. And that's true. You can't be saved until you acknowledge that you are a sinner. But you know, Staying with our line of thought in uh, Psalm 23, you know that one. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. But you get down to verse, verse 3 of that 23rd Psalm that you know by heart. And that third verse tells us that he leads us into righteousness. And it tells us why. For his namesake. Yeah. Do you know that? I'm made righteous when I confess my sin and receive the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I'm made righteous with God. Right then, always. Child of God forevermore. I'm His. I'm His. You believe that. That's not just Southern Baptist doctrine. That's Bible doctrine. I'm a Southern Baptist. And I don't apologize for being a Southern Baptist. I don't like what some are doing, but I tell you what, I can't even change that. But I, all I'm responsible for is what I believe, what I do. I'm telling you. Okay? The Bible says that He will lead us into the way of what is right. He wants to lead you by the Holy Spirit in the life that is right, that honors Him. Amen. And I'll tell you what, when we as a people are led by the Holy Spirit in that which is right according to Him, He'll be honored. Amen. And He'll do a mighty work in you and through you. All through the Bible, we find that true with people that we study. We learn about our salvation. We learn about God's, what God does to develop us. We learn about growing in righteousness, becoming productive and responsible children of God. That's what He expects of us. That's what I expect out of my children that are born to the wife and me. We want to see them grow and be healthy, wealthy, and wise. And they've achieved all of those. And they're here tonight. Amen. They said, Dad, I want to see the wealth. <laughs> and that's part of it. You know, in James, it's a very practical book. It's for Christian living. I want you to go back to three, three words that I'm going to hammer out here. In verses, verse 8 of that fifth chapter, it says, establish your heart. I went to A.T. Robertson on that. It sounded too simple. I thought, there's got to be a deep, deep meaning for that. So I found out there was a deep meaning to that when I pulled out my 
uh, my Greek books to find out what was going on. It says to make stable. That's quite profound, huh? You like that? It means to make stable. And that's what God is trying to do in my heart and in my life and in yours as well. I really believe that the righteous man learns what is right and sure by following the Lord through all of the experience of life. Now, I said all. Amen. Through all. It is by trusting and following Him faithfully through it all. You know, there's a, there's a hymn we sing. I sort of like that. I like the great old hymns. I don't know about you. They're full of, of doctrine. I like doctrine. You know what doctrine means? It means teaching. It means the things God wants me to know. And we need to have that in our hearts and in our minds so that we can live in honor to Him. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to, be, to depend upon His Word. Through it all. Friends, when we bail out of situations that God gives to us, we forfeit the opportunity to receive what God wants us to get in that situation. We got a lot of people bailed today. I'm telling you, we do. They shirk their responsibilities. They don't come through and do what it is that they ought to do. My question to you and has been to me, can I trust Him in all the situations of life that the Lord gives to me? I don't think I'm living in happenstance. I believe that I'm living according to the will of God and that He has ordained a pathway for me. I haven't always understood all of it. But I look back and I really believe that God has a pathway, a plan for all of us. What interferes with that? Well, I think there are some factors that interfere with that. Simon Peter talks about some trials that come to our life. 1 Peter 1.7, if you have your Bible still open, it says the trial of your faith. What happens when I get a trial for my faith? There's something going to happen in my life that's going to test my faith. Am I going to continue to receive and to look to the Lord God about that situation? I hope so. I hope so. Because I don't think there's anything that comes to my life that can be out of His will unless I am totally out of His will. And then I've charted my own way. And friends, that's a dangerous thing to do. But as long as we stay in His will, there's things that come in and out of our lives that indeed strengthens us. But you know, he didn't talk about just trials for your faith. He talked about fire trials. He talked about, don't think this is strange concerning fiery trials, which is to try you. There's going to be difficult moments that's going to come to all of us. And probably for just about everybody here, there have been some trying times already to come. Whatever it is. Whether it's in your, your marriage, in your home life, whether it's at work, and certainly at church. You know, Brother Mike said a few weeks ago, he said, you know, the devil, you know anything about the devil? He said, the devil will lie to you. I won't take that a step further. The devil will lie about you. You ever had that happen? Let me ask you, what's worse? Devil lying to you or devil lying about you? What's worse? What's worse? You know what's worse. 
that's lying about you. That's why, my dear friends, we have to be very careful about the things that we pass on about just about anybody. Lying about you is far more severe. And he'll do it. He won't blink an eye. He won't even back up one step. He won't do it. You ever talk about spiritual warfare? You talk about the great deceiver, the divider, the destroyer? That's what it says in the Bible that he is. He wants to divide and conquer. He wants to destroy you as an individual. You say, oh, I don't believe that stuff. I'm going to tell you something. I, I, I've read and heard on the news in the last few days some of the, some of the guys has been most faithful to our convention and some stuff was started on them and they lost their position because of things that were dug up. Wasn't true. Can it happen to you? I'm going to tell you something. It can in a heartbeat. And if you're not stable and strong in your life, you'll not endure it. There's people on our rolls today have left our churches for many different reasons. Never will be reclaimed. Never will be reclaimed. I want you as a person to be aware because it says in the Bible, your adversary, the devil, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now you may not believe in a real devil. I do. I've seen his handiwork. I have to believe just like Paul said, I'm not ignorant of Satan's methodologies. You ever read that in the Bible? I'm not ignorant of them. I know I'm at least 51 years old. I know I don't look that old. I know it. You say, you don't know all the things you're talking about. Let me tell you something I do. Been there, done that. Been there, done that. My dear friends, the devil, if he can, he would seek to destroy you. Do you remember in the life of Noah? Lived in a very difficult day. As a matter of fact, the Bible says the New Testament is going to be another day just like the day of Noah. Do you know that? That day is here. It's here. We're living as in a day like the day of Noah. God knew Noah's heart. Told him what he was going to do and he said, Noah, this is what I want you to do. Noah would do something very, very important. He would preach and he would build an ark. New Testament says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. For years, you know what he did? I mean, for years, this is what he did. He preached and he built. And he preached and he built. And you know what else he did? He preached and he built. That's what he did. He was faithful to what God told him he was going to do and what Noah was to do. That's what he did. You know what the people did? Let me tell you what the people did of that day and time. And we're almost seeing some of that today. The people of that day and time, they mocked him. And they laughed at him. And they ridiculed him. And they called him names, probably something like, you stupid old man. You crazy old man. There's nothing to this thing called righteousness. You and your family are the only ones that even believe it. You know what? They're right. Right? I guess he was stupid, wasn't he? 
for all those years to do what he did? But let me tell you what Noah did. Even though all those things were done, he was mocked and laughed and ridiculed at. This is what Noah did. He preached and he built. You know what else he did? He preached and he built. Do you know what else he did? He preached and he built until the day that God Almighty said, Noah, it is time for you and your family to walk into that ark and God shut the door on him. And then it began to happen. And then for many, it was too late. Some people run out of time. There is a line out there for everybody and you can cross it never to return back. You've said no too many times. Do you remember in the day of Jesus? Was Jesus really who he said he was? Was he the son of God as he said and as some others said? He is the son of the living God. Amen. Did he tell the people of his day and time as to why he came, that he would die on a cross for people's sins? That's what he did. He did. Do you know what the people did of his day and time? They called him an idiot. They said he was an illegitimate child. He was the son of Beelzebub. That he's a deceiver, they said. All recorded. In the New Testament, we hear today on the political realm, I'm not getting political tonight, but it's amazing some of the things that we hear day in and day out about political servants that are seeking to do things by the Constitution. And they are called stupid and psycho and dangerous and ill-equipped for the job and unhinged. Have you ever heard those words today? I'm going to tell you why I said that. Because I can dig these things out of the religious area of life, what people say. And I can dig those things out of the political area of life of what people say. And what I have found, you can correct me if you want to. Doesn't mean I'll stand corrected. But the thing is this, is this. They have their same source. You see a line that runs through that religious realm and the political realm of the same things being said. And I'm going to tell you where that originates it originates from the devil himself. Now friends, we're living in a day and time where we've not seen a lot of that as much as it is. I came through Southern Baptist resurgence starting in 1979 to take our convention back and I remember the things that were said and done against those that were conservative, those that were hammering out the word of God and doing what it was they were supposed to do. I remember that. I was there. And today we're seeing on the political realm those. I think God did something in this last election for each and every one of us. He spared us, I'm telling you. He moved his mighty hand. He did. Whether you agree with that or not. These are people of conviction. You learn right principles, you carry them out. Yeah, you might be called names. That goes with the territory. I've been called a lot of things. That means true. Some of them could have been true. You're called names. Some people don't like it. You're labeled. There are some people out there, they will label you as something. That's okay. Yes, I'm narrow. 
I'm telling you, I'm narrow. But you know what narrow people do? I've said this to you before. They focus on the truth. They're unyielding. They will not move off the truth. They're dogmatic and they don't even have to have a dog. They don't. They stay consistent with the truth. You want to be a blessed man? Bible says in Psalm 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor uh, standeth in the way of sinners, nor what? What's the rest of that? I forgot it. Huh? But you know what I'm saying. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he uh, labor day and night. Don't walk in those things that hinder us. Walk in that area whereby we can honor the Lord. You know, it takes courage to live right. I'm telling you, it does. You got challenges. It takes courage. Courage stabilizes a life. God said to Joshua 1.9, it says, Have not I commanded you, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be discouraged, for the Lord thy God is with you whithersoever thou goest. One of my favorite texts is also found in the Psalms. And I know Psalm 1, it just left me. But I'm going to turn back to Psalm 27. If you have your Bibles, mark this one. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? And then he says, When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fell. Though a host should encamp about me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. You know, that's what the Lord wants to do in your life. He wants to build His confidence in you that regardless of what is being said or what is being done, you are productive and responsible child of God to do what He wants you to do in where it is that He has placed you. It's an interesting life that God has given to us. I'm going to quit on that even though I'm not done. But I think you get the jest and the drift of what it is that I'm trying to say tonight to you that God wants to build stability in your life. He wants to strengthen you. And the reason that some of us are not where we ought to be is because we won't yield to Him. The Holy Spirit is ready to strengthen. He's ready to teach you. He's ready to help you in everything you do. That's what makes strong people in the Lord.